John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge makes game, you hear me? Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined as always by Alex Winton. And we are here about an hour after the Grizzlies got a big win at home over the Warriors. Uh, Haven't beaten the Warriors since Game 5 in the playoffs last year. Uh, Lost to them twice in Golden State earlier this season. So it was good to finally get a win against them. Uh, Like they said on the broadcast, kind of a budding rivalry in the NBA right now. Uh, But yeah, awesome game. And uh, to start, we're just going to get like initial reactions. Uh, I'll start. The first thing that I wanted to talk about is the whole Dylan Brooks versus Draymond thing coming into the game. And I'll say I think that Dylan, even though like a little bit in the video, he did get cooked a little bit in the video. Like he did get cooked a little bit in the video, but he responded with a really good game. He was getting he, he was getting into it with Steph, Clay, Draymond, everybody. He was getting into it with everybody. They came out with the win. I think late in the game when he forced that turnover and Steph ran out of bounds and he like screamed and he showed all that emotion. That was when it was like you could really feel how important this game was to him after all that that was said the day before. So really big win for the Grizzlies, but also this a big personal win for Dylan Brooks as well. And the post-game press conference was awesome. It was just an awesome game, just in general. Yeah, no, it was funny because Dylan Brooks was basically saying like he needs to, Draymond needs to keep talking about him on the podcast to make him play better. And hey, I feel him. He's going to have, if he's going to help him play like this, at least that was, I say, the, the good, that fourth quarter and first half, yeah, I, I'm here for it. I, I'll be here for it. That, that That's what I'm here for. But, yeah, nah, Grizz played well for the most part. Um, I'm just trying to think of really what they really did well. Because, I mean, it really they shot lights out. I'm going to say that. They really just shot lights out first half. And then there was a few lineups. Questionable, not questionable lineups, but too too many questionable letting the lineups go too long type thing yeah. where you had rookies in there. Like Jenkins had Roddy and Zaire in there, and it's not bad, but you got no one to pull the plug. It's the field thing. That's where my criticism comes from Jenkins sometimes is where he doesn't necessarily feel. It's more off script. He's more script mm-hmm. than he is, let me go off this field. Like I need to keep him in or I need to take him out. And so you kind of let that lead evaporate away and then as soon as Jaren comes in the game he leads back up and then you know so it's just little stuff like that but I mean you know he did decent he didn't do too much so I'll give him some credit tonight you know he didn't do he didn't try to do too too many crazy things definitely Um, yeah yeah, they really just closed out the game for the most part I never really felt like the game was like in danger I guess it's because we're good at home like we're home merchants as I like to say yeah. Uh, so it really didn't feel like, oh man, we're gonna lose this game. Maybe a little bit in the third, but like that is it though. But like I felt good the whole game. Like I felt like we was gonna win. So yeah, definitely. I'll say one thing they did very well tonight was the rebounding because that's been an issue. Uh, before Stephen Adams like left, they were first in rebounding. Since Stephen Adams has been out, they've been twenty second. I rebounded the Warriors by ten. Had more offensive rebounding, offensive rebounds than the Warriors did. 
which that was a big issue like in that Clippers game. They were just getting killed on the boards. So it's been uh, – it was good to see that. And then, like you said, they just really shot the ball really well, hit 18 three-pointers, uh, 36 assists as a team. It was really just like on offense. Uh, they, the ball was flowing really well. Uh, and they did a really good job of like attacking that small ball lineup that the Warriors played where, I mean, the biggest guy in their lineup was Draymond Green. And I think that also was like really good for Jaron too. It helped Jaron kind of get going uh, because he had a mismatch on everybody. I mean, you could say whether or not it's a mismatch with Draymond because Draymond is a great defender, but it's one screen and you got Dante DiVincenzo guarding you and stuff like that. So it, he he was eaten in that first half, and uh, they couldn't do anything about him. Fouled him a lot, got to the free throw line, was six out of seven from the line. Uh, so big game for Jaron, and just yeah, I, I, this is what they needed a win like this uh, after those couple of tough losses. Really, just a tough week uh, for the team in general, which we'll talk about uh, more of the other situations past this uh, after we get through the game because uh, we do got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, but yeah, nah, it was just, it's, it's always good to get a win, uh, over a Western conference team, uh, and then another chance for another one coming up on Saturday with the Mavericks coming into town too. Uh, got to take advantage of these home games, uh, especially down the stretch with how close the West is. And you know that the West is <laughs> as tight as it's ever been. And it's to the point to where there's a couple losses, even though the Grizzlies are still in a good position now. I know that they fell down to the three seed and uh, they're fighting with the Kings and everything now. But in the grand scheme of things, I would much be rather fighting for that two seed than being in the position of a team like where the Warriors are now, where they lose a couple more games. They have to worry about the play in again. So grand scheme of things, the Grizzlies are in a still in a pretty solid place when you look at the Western Conference. Yeah, they just don't need to fall in that. I mean, the lowest I could see them falling is four, realistically, because, like, five is only two games above 500. It's the Clippers right now. And then, like, five through ten is basically, like, separated by, like, two or three games. So, like like you said, a losing streak could put you maybe at, like, 11, 10. A winning streak could put you at five at this point still. Because I think there's, like, 20, a good – a still a good amount of games where you can still make mm-hmm. a little run. So, those teams are really fighting. Like, Golden State – Minnesota, Dallas all have the same record right now, and that's six through eight. And then you got L.A. and New Orleans are, like, just a rank identical record. So it's really going to come down to literally every game. Like, every game is going to matter for them. Whereas West, well, it'll matter in the grand scheme of things, but you'll realistically have home court in round one regardless, or you should, as long as you don't really fall off, like, completely. Like, just start losing home games, and then you're, we should be fine. We should be fine. Definitely. I mean, I, I think they should be fine. Uh, but then just to keep going more on this game, uh, I think that defensively, I think that was like the one of the bigger things tonight, especially in that first half. I think they held them to what, like 48 points in the first half or whatever, or no, 57 points. It was something crazy. Like I know they score 40, the Grizzlies score 48 in the first quarter. And I think the Warriors only have 57 at halftime. So uh, just it was like on both ends of the floor, and I think, uh, I mean, Steph obviously had a great game, but they made it really hard on especially Clay. Uh, Clay didn't get a lot of open looks from three. I thought they did a really good job with that. And then uh, Dylan, 
I mean, Steph is going to be Steph. He had 29, and he shot the ball pretty well. Uh, but he made it as hard as he could on Steph. And, I mean, it just it felt like the Grizzlies had control of the game from the opening tip-off, which is interesting because it seems like at home they do that. You know, at home they do that, whether it was the Nuggets that came in, whether it was the Bucks that came in and got beat by 40, uh, you see this game, they win by 21. So it's just really interesting. I've never seen a team that is so home and road, like the home and road difference is so big, which is, I mean, it's kind of funny when you look at it on the other side because the Warriors are the same way in the other way. Yeah, well, they're saying. now what, like 7-26 and 26 or 7-25 yeah. and 25 on the road this year now after yeah. this loss, which is even worse than the Grizzlies are. So it's it's just weird, like teams like that. It's funny. Two two of the teams coming into it where people were saying we're probably gonna be the two best teams in the West coming into the like in the offseason. A lot of people were saying that. Both really horrible on the road. I it, and that's so it's so weird for the Warriors. Because you would expect like a young team to be bad on the road, but you don't expect them to be bad on the road because they've always won on the road in the playoffs every year and i i don't know it's just weird. this it's it's such it's been a weird year just overall for the entire conference yeah it has i'll say this though about them their their season kind of you could tell and people don't want to say it then but their season was kind of in question when draymond punched pool before the season i think it was before the season that yeah. kind of messed it up because chemistry is a big part of everything i try to tell folks like we've seen teams and you can just put a roster together and be good but chemistry is a big proponent of it and I'm not saying their chemistry is not bad. Like, obviously, their core guys got good chemistry. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think a clip the game before that we just – like, they played OKC. And I think Poole missed Draymond on a pass, and Draymond, like, walked off the floor. Like, something like that. Basically, just gave up on the play. And, like, that type of little stuff like that can kind of mess up your season, especially on the road when they're already not good. Because, like, Steph did the same – like, tonight, Steph had a worse game than he did against OKC. He still had a good game, but, mm-hmm. like, they still lost. Like, it doesn't matter really what Steph does. It seems like their roster is kind of lacking consistency, especially on the road. So, but, like, I think a, a lot of teams are on the road mostly lacking consistency this year for the most part. Um, I think it's only, like, three or four teams I can really name that are really good on the road, and those teams are, like, real legit title contenders. So Yeah, definitely. And then uh, another person that we got to talk about is Tyus Jones. Uh, because he continues to prove, like, without while Jaws away from the team, he's continued to just be awesome. 22 points, 11 assists, really steadied the offense. Uh, like I said, they had 36 assists uh, tonight as a team. A lot of that was because of the way he passed the ball. And I'll also give a lot of credit to Dylan Brooks for having six assists tonight. Desmond Bain has six assists tonight. Uh, kind of like a point guard by p- committee thing uh, for everybody besides Tyus tonight. And I think... It it was kind of it was rough at times, especially in that second quarter when the Warriors actually did make that comeback. Uh, it was that lineup where there was no true point guard out there, when it was more Desmond Bain playing point. And it, yeah, as you, Alex is shaking his head. If you're listening to the audio only version, <laughs> he's shaking his head because it did it did not look it did not look good. Uh, but then they were able to take that punch and then kind of respond really well once Tyus and Jaron came back in. Uh, but yeah, just overall, just it just 
just because of the last stretch that they've had, it's just good to see them actually get a wire-to-wire win where they look like the team that you know they can be for, if not the full 48 minutes, at least like 42 out of the 48 minutes. They looked really, really good. And I'll take it. Yeah, la- yeah. thing I was going to say is um, they, they did that the last couple games too, I feel like, to some degree. But again, I've always said it. They, it's not like they're bad the whole game. It's just about being consistent. And I always say consistency for anybody, whether you're a coach, player, whatever, it's mm-hmm. hardest thing to do in the NBA is be consistent night in, night out for 82, then plus playoffs. Like, it's always hard. And for them, they can be good in stretches, like spurts, like, hell, hey, they, like in that third quarter against LA, like, or against the Clippers, I should say, they mm-hmm. were smoking hot. And in the fourth, they just went cold. Like, they just got to build consistency. Like, tonight, they were, if I say consistent, first half, they were good. Third quarter was like a average third quarter. I mean, even second to a degree, but third, really first half they were good. Second they were eh. Then you had third quarter they were, eh. and then fourth they kind of finished it off. Like, but they were building though. You know what I mean? They they played better more consistently tonight. So you know you just got to keep building that, and hopefully you can get to forty eight at least. You hope it's hard to get to forty eight full consistency, but you know we'll take forty two. 43 like it's it's close enough <laughs> as close long enough. as long as as long as those five aren't the last five minutes of the game and I think that was the big thing is they finally like you saw them close the game too because the Warriors like they were within arm's reach they had cut it to five like late in the, I think it was five or six in that fourth quarter uh and then yep. they had another one of those runs to kind of put them away uh which I also thought was a really good thing to see because we haven't really seen that Especially, I mean, we've seen it at home in home games. So the next thing will be, can they take that on the road? Uh, starting with that game in Dallas is going to be coming up next week. Uh, but yeah, all in all, like I said, just to start a good win, uh, emotional win for the guys, obviously because of the opponent, uh, and a win that hopefully can build some momentum. It seems like they're finally learning how to play without Stephen Adams even though they haven't been able to do it for four quarters consistently yet, you can tell that they're getting better. Uh, and then hopefully uh, when he comes back, when that it will now it'll be in the playoffs. Hopefully when he comes back in the playoffs, it'll just help him even more. Yeah. Um, just, I just, you know, you, you just, I just want to get us for us to continue to build consistency. That's really my biggest thing is just, um, making sure that we do what we need to do to keep building. Because, again, I know we're going to get into it, obviously, about everything. But, like, there's still a lot of positives to take from what the Grizzlies are doing right now, I, I think, personally. I know people be trying to judge me for being very optimistic a lot, but, like, I promise you it's not. There, there, There's some things you can look at and be optimistic about, but we'll get into it, though. Yeah, definitely. And then speaking of getting into it, uh, we got to start – we got to go ahead and move on to – the update on the Javarant situation, uh, which I'm sure everybody listening to this knows what happened uh, this weekend or this past weekend. Uh, ja at the nightclub on the Instagram live video, uh, flashing the gun and everything, which, yeah, it was it was a bad look, definitely, especially after all the that other stuff had been coming out in the past week. So if he, like somebody had they had a laser at the Pacers incident and like all of that uh, talking about at his house. There's a lot, there's been a lot of stuff in the news the last couple of weeks. Uh, so Ja away from the team, uh, no criminal charges coming from Denver. 
Uh, doesn't seem like there's going to be any, as of now, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a su- substantial suspension from the NBA. We'll see if that changes. Uh, right now, it seems like the team and Ja have kind of just decided that he's going to stay away from the team now. It's not necessarily a suspension, uh, but it's also not necessarily not a suspension, I guess. Uh, just kind of see, get him, you know, yeah, let let, let him get right. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a tough situation to kind of navigate because obviously uh, the first thing is, you know, Ja has to take accountability uh, for making a mistake, you know, being on Instagram Live. Uh, I think it even goes further deeper than the gun, you know, like being out uh, after a loss and all that. And uh, after Steven Adams has had the team meeting about, you know, going out when they're on the road and, you know, locking in for the last stretch of the season. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it'll be a learning experience for him and that whenever he does come back, he'll come back better. Yeah, um, I got a lot to say about the job thing. Not really. I do. I mean, I don't want to say too much. Everybody already knows about it. It kind of it's everywhere. So I guess for me, it's kind of like with Ja. I wasn't surprised when it happened. I woke up and like people were adding me about it and was like, what's going on? And. I, you know, it's just, I was just like, I wasn't necessarily surprised because this is a pattern that's gone back to the summer, obviously, with the reports that we've had. Like, it's kind of just been a pattern of bad behavior or bad choices, I'll say. Um, and obviously, it just it meant like a head on collision. Um, but yeah, um, with Ja, I just think he just has to take it again, just got to grow up. I understand that, you know, he's saying he has to get right. And that's part of it. If he has to get right, then go get right. Get your help that you need. But I think for him, um, he just has to, you know, be more mature. Um, because, again, he's the face of a franchise. Not only the face of a franchise, one of the faces of the future, one of the young faces of the league. And so you just can't move the way you've been moving before um, or move like you You got to know what position you're in. And I'm not even going to talk about the basketball. Forget the basketball at this point right now. This dude is a – Father first. That's really what more so where my I, I guess I won't say frustration, but just my questions come from is like you you know you got to be more better for your father or for your daughter because again at the end of the day like that's who you really doing it for all this really so mm-hmm. um, I think he just really has to get right um, in terms of the dead or really the timeline for him. I, this take might age bad. So again, if y'all want to at me at, on Twitter or whatever, listen, I'll take it on the chin if it, it ages bad. Now I'm not saying he's not gonna play for the rest of the year, but I wouldn't. I think there's a real possibility that he might not play for the rest of the year. I'm not saying he's not going to. I could see him back in the. You know, I think they said four games, right? He's gonna. Yeah, they said he's gonna miss it. Well, it, three games after this one. So yeah. the next three games after the Warriors game. Yeah, so four games. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did come back. You know what I mean? He still got the shoe coming out. Like, he might do, you know, like, he might come back before that, whatever, you know. But I would not be surprised if he didn't. Because the way the Grizzlies have been talking, the way news outlets have been talking, it just seems like if you're really going to get the help that you're going to need, it's not going to be fixed in a short amount of time span, especially when the patterns yeah. of bad choices go back to a year. Like if you're talking about two things that happened in the summer and two things that happened during the year, that's just not going to be fixed in two, four games. Like I can't get, like if you really want him to get the help that he needs, he probably needs this time to get it 
like whatever time he needs to take, he needs to take. Because at the end of the day, not to say the season is done or anything, because you still got games to play and there's still positives to take from it. Mm-hmm. But that that along with other things with injuries, your season's kind of not bleak, but the expectation has changed on the season versus what it was after all these choice, whether it's the injuries or whether it's the choices he's made. So, you know, I if he doesn't come back, nobody should necessarily be critical of it. I think because it's about the long-term thing. He's 23 at the end of the day. So it's not like this is a bad choice that's going to hurt him forever, right? Now, depending on what he does after is what's going – really what's going to matter. What's going to happen after? Definitely. We could back, yeah, we could be looking back in, what, five, seven years from now, and the Grizzlies are on to better days, and he's the, the one of the faces, and this team is great. Or we could look back, and it could be – the be the beginning of whatever you know of cat you know a disaster whatever you want to call it but it's going to be ultimately on him now he's not the only person that plays a role in this obviously front office the other top core players but like he's the best player at the end of the day and if your best player can't be locked in and focused on the main thing which is obviously being the you know being an nba player you're more focused on the lifestyle than you are the actual nba basketball part of it itself it's going to be hard to even win because it takes a lot to win in this league. And mm-hmm. they, the Grizzlies talk about winning or sustaining winning over a long period of time. And it's going to be hard to do that when your best player is not focused on that because they set the tone for everything else. So when he's not locked in, which was shown over the last year, not to say he can't still play good and put up stats, but it's bigger than just the stats. As you see, it's bigger than just the stats. It's about the mindset. It's about how you carry yourself on and off the court. It's it, all Everything goes into it. And so, you know, for me, you know, I just hope he takes the time he needs to get right. I think he'll bounce back. You know, I think he'll be fine. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him play again. Now, that might age bad because it'd be like, oh, he'll be back in two weeks. And, I, you know, y'all y'all can kill me. Maybe. You know, like, I, I can see it going either way. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he doesn't play for the rest of the year. Just like you said, it's about him getting right. And I also like what you said about the fact that, you know, this could be a turning point. I'll say – uh, just in general, obviously, he needs to take accountability. He made a mistake, but this could have been much worse. You know what I mean? Uh, like it's like when you're talking about just this Denver situation, like you're like luckily nobody was shot, nobody was injured, nobody was physically hurt in this scenario. So it's one of those things where it's more of like a wake up call. Uh, than something where you know there's actually going to be criminal charge or something like this. Uh, and it's like we've seen, you know, scenarios like this in sports in the past uh, and scenarios where it has ended way worse than this. So this is something to where, like you said, take some time. Think about like the choices you're making, some of the people that you're hanging around. Uh, are they good influences? Are they people that you should be listening to, uh, you know, and are they people maybe? It's it's hard to find a lot of people with more to lose than John Morant, uh, in this like just in the world in general. But don't be around people that don't have anything to lose either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you you got to be around people that have like a similar mindset and want the best for you. Uh, so I think that's that's another thing that he's gonna have to evaluate. Uh, not saying that he has to just cut everybody off or anything. Uh, but just evaluate like some of those relationships. Uh. Everybody that was there for you at one point doesn't have to, you know, be there for you now uh, that you're the NBA superstar, all that. 
Uh, not everybody can can do that. Not everybody is actually like wants the best for you. And I think that's something that he's going to have to kind of navigate, uh, which I think everybody has to navigate. Uh, but it does seem like, you know, like he said in that statement, you know, dealing with stress and the stresses of becoming an NBA superstar. Uh, not to say that it's like making an excuse for anything that he's done, but more of just like an understanding of how he got there. I think that's that's what I would ask is like, you know, not not to make excuses for anything, but to understand some of the pressure and stuff that is on him. Uh, and obviously he has to get better, but I think he is in a good position. He, he's in a good position to make things right. And whether or not it's with basketball, uh, obviously he's going to play again, whether that's uh, this season, whether it's next year or whatever it is going to be. Uh, but I do think that when it comes to like the basketball standpoint, bringing him back when he's not back to like 100% and with the right mindset, uh, it's not going to help as much if his mindset isn't right. So making sure that his mindset is right after all this, uh, making sure that he's focused on basketball and not focused on the media like whirlwind that'll be around him once he comes back as well. Uh, because you know it that that's another thing that I don't think people have really talked about is that first media availability because Ja has not even spoken to anybody, hasn't spoken to the media at all, really. Uh, besides don't the, got no social media, forgot the yeah. internet. He, so like no, yeah, yeah, no social media. So the only contact that we have had like directly with Ja Morant to the public is that one statement. So there's gonna be a lot when he comes back asking him questions about the situation asking him questions uh, about, you know, the time he missed. Why did he miss time? Did the Grizzlies tell him to do it? Did he decide to do it? What did he do? To, like, there's going to be a lot of questions. So just focusing, like, making sure that he can navigate that as well and also, you know, focus on basketball down the last stretch of the game. But like I said, if he's not back to 100%, then, or, like, mentally, there's, like, it's not going to matter on the basketball court. So just make just I just hope that he's taking this time to make sure that he, you know, t- take some time to like reflect, understand like what you did wrong and kind of see where you go from there. Yeah. And I, I add one more thing. It's not like Josh's always been like this, like because I even had to go check because, you know, I look at other people's interviews and stuff like that, like. Cause I think it was Vernon. He was talking about it and like talking about Jaws, like rookie interview, like when he first got there. And it's just like wow, cause like obviously these people grow up too, you know. Obviously we see them grow before us, cause these like they come in like eighteen, nineteen, or basically nineteen, twenty years old. Like we seen Jaron grow up from like a, a like basically an actual adult, like acting mature. Like it's crazy, right? And it's just with Ja, um, he he hasn't always been like this, cause we didn't hear nothing about this like his rookie year. Sophomore year, it, it, it's been a trend that seems to happen over the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really where the hope should come from. And also, like you said, there's too much at stake, you would think, in every aspect to not figure it out, especially it being on Jump Street. I think, personally, if it would have stayed the way it stayed in terms of how we got the reports about what happened in the summer, but they came out month after. And obviously, no disrespect to the media of Memphis, but we are a smaller market. So mm-hmm. the stories are going to stay more so in the market at times, depending on the context of it, the situation, the information and how that, you know, how they frame it, they can just sweep it under the rug. 
but this can't be swept under the rug. People like this was talked about on like the Today Show, like the NBC, like those big news outlets. And when they're talked about on them, like everybody knows about it. Yeah, everybody knows. About it. So, and to me personally, you got to look yourself in the mirror when it gets to that point, because especially as a guy, potentially as the face of belief, you got to think the people, the kids that watch you, their parents are watching these channels, and they see that person that they look up to on the channels in the wrong, you know, for the wrong reasons. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? How's that going to reflect? And you got to think about it like that. And it's like, dang, like I really got to really reevaluate what am I doing? Because once it gets to the jump street like this, where everybody's talking about you, you can't avoid it. Because no, and I think that's, not- that's another yeah. thing I'll say is that I think the last couple of years, it's like you see how quickly somebody can go from, you know, oh, this is a pretty good college player that we saw him dunk a couple times to where he ha- was before this incident and being, you know, one of the most popular players in the NBA. I mean, still is obviously one of the most popular players in the NBA. But then to see how, like, basically, well, really, yeah, overnight, the image that the vast majority of people have of you can change. And, you know, you like, think about it, in the grand scheme of things, it's two seconds of the Instagram live video is maybe two seconds of the video. And it's like those two seconds have changed everybody's perspective on, and and now these people think they know you, your background, your parents, uh, the way you, like everything. They know everything about you because of this video. And it's just like really realizing that you are under such a microscope when you become like that level of star too. And it's just, I gotta like you gotta imagine it's hard to do that when you're coming from a guy that was like from a small town in South Carolina to now like you said you you have a mistake and it's blasted across the country the world wherever like it's it it was the story for like two days it was like the number like it, it it was leading news. Uh, telecast, like whether it was sports, non-sports, like you said, it was on the Today Show. So yeah, it was like the biggest story for a couple days. Uh, obviously, it's died down a little bit as more has come out, and you know, there's not going to be any charges and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a tough week just in general. Uh, for the Grizzlies, because obviously, uh, the last thing that we're going to talk about is also some injury news uh since the last podcast uh we did lose brandon clark with a torn achilles for the rest of this season and probably for a lot of next season too uh which is also going to be really tough uh so prayers up for bc for sure for a speedy recovery i know that uh he's already had his surgery uh i so we'll we'll see uh when we get an update on him but it's not it's not going to be for a minute you know I would not be I would not look for BC or start even thinking about BC until All-Star break next year. Yep, 2024 or maybe even after. Um but I will add this in for BC to be hopeful. Um if they treat the injury like the prior people had that have had the injury and treat it more like an ACL in terms of the recovery, he should be fine. Now I'm not saying he's going to be the same bouncy BC automatically. But a player that I would I would suggest people go look at is the White Pal because not to say they're the same player, but lob threat six eight six nine that guys 
they're, you know, they do not similar things, but they play the same role. And the white power tore his like two or three years ago, and now he's still averaging the same numbers. And like he's still a productive player in the league to some degree. And BC, I think IQ wise and defensively, is better than him. And so, with that being said, as long as he takes the right steps to recover and they take a longer timeline, because you got to think Clay missed the year with the Achilles and Katie missed the year. And not to say they didn't lose something, but they didn't really, like, you really couldn't tell they lost something. They, they come back still good, efficient players. Like, Mm-hmm. Katie came back after Achilles injury and was still top 10 player. And I know those are different talents, but Dwight Powell came back and he's still a, a productive NBA player. So I don't think it's the end of the world for BC because I think people were like, oh, well, he's going to lose the athleticism. It's like, it's not, he, I know he dunked a lot, but he was one of the most efficient players with a floater. It's not like he's going to lose his touch because he lost a little bit of balance. So he's still going to be really- a bomb player. Yeah. And he's not going to lose his IQ. Like, mm-hmm. so, I would be more hopeful on that end, especially because this is modern medicine we're talking about. A lot of these injuries are not a death sentence for these guys that it used to be 20 years ago. So I just hope people will be more optimistic about BC recovering. Now, but I will say, like you said, it's probably going to be a while before we see him, but when he comes back, we shouldn't be worried about what he's going to look like. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the other news, Stephen Adams going to be out for at least another four weeks after a uh, stem cell procedure uh, for that knee injury. Hopefully, it'll mean that when he does come back, he'll be closer to 100% than he was before. Kind of had like a reevaluation thing, and they decided that he was going to have to stay out for a little bit longer after meeting with some other doctors. Uh, But that's a really tough blow. Uh, Like, I think uh, they were first, the Grizzlies were first in rebounds before Steven Adams got hurt. They're 22nd since he's been out of the lineup. Uh, I know I said that earlier, but it's like that's going to be a big issue because I know the like tonight against the Warriors, they shot the ball really well, but they're really not a great shooting team. So they got to make up for that with a lot of offensive rebounds and having more possessions than their opponent. And no Stephen Adams has been a big issue. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why you'll see that in terms of Win loss with or without Steven Adams looks like the most important player to the team. You look just simply at uh, the team's record with him versus without him, and it's because of that. Uh, and then that on top of BC being out just really hurts that front court rotation. Yeah, the versatility. I think for me, the BC thing hurt more than the the Jaws stuff. Not to say Jaws not important, but mm-hmm. it just in terms of the home stretch. And, and yeah, not Adams too, because I mean, it's like it's. I think it's more the BC stuff on top of Adams already being out. Yeah, it just hurts. It just hurts even more because those are your two best guys on the glass for sure. Like, not even a question. Like, if you have to point at two guys to be the reason why they were like number one in rebounding, it would be first Stephen Adams by a long shot, and then you would have Brandon Clark as probably the second guy. And you saw what he did in that Timberwolf series last year. You know, he's a guy that has had huge impacts in the playoffs. So that it, it's just really tough, especially when you look at uh, who they actually have on the roster too, because they got a lot of young guys that actually haven't been playing in the playoffs before uh, trying to step up and replace them, uh, which that's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Xavier Tillman is going to be replacing Steve-O in the starting lineup from now on. He's been doing well in that role. Uh, Santi Aldama is going to have to play a lot more because he was already playing a lot, 
But now they're basically going to be asking him to make up for BC's minutes too. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they navigate that. Uh, probably going to see more David Roddy in there too, just because he's another kind of big body, even though he's more of like a three than a re- than really a four or a five uh, to really help that like power forward and center rotation. But he's just, he'll be out there because he has size too. Uh, which that's that, that's gonna that's gonna be one of the issues. The Grizzlies don't have a ton of size now, without both Brandon Clark and Stephen Adams. Yeah, they lose a lot of line, line of versatility too, because now with Jaron, I mean, you can still play big with hit Jaron Asante and still play smaller with Jaron and X. But just BC and usually BC and Jaron going dating back to year one of they them all together. You got Jaron and BC on the floor, but like Ja, that's kind of crazy. Like mm-hmm. special or like a Ja lineup of Ja Bane, Dylan, Jaron, BC is like cold. That Jaron BC duo is cold. Like they their plus minus is wild. Like it's ridiculous because they fit so well together. And then you could play big with Adam. So now it's kind of like, what do you do now? Not to say you can't do the same thing, but it's just hard to replicate it because Santi and X are different players than Brandon Clark and Adam. So it's kind of hard to to replicate that same thing but they can still be effective in what they do well you know next to Jaren because Jaren's versatile so it's not going to be too much of an issue but you just got to figure it out it's really just going to be off of field like Jenkins got some work to do obviously like you know he's gonna have to just try stuff which he has already so because sometimes we can't even be mad because there's lack of options so he's gonna have to try some things um throughout the game just hopefully doesn't hurt you in the win-loss column too much yeah, and like you said, they're going to have to try a lot of new stuff, kind of like tonight, and it's not always going to work. Like I said earlier, like that second quarter lineup where there was no actual point guard on the floor, like did not do well at all. And it's like, but that's not really Jenkins' fault because, I mean, you could argue, you know, throw Kennedy Chandler out there, but Kennedy hasn't really been playing that much, and he's really the only other true point guard on the roster, right? Which I would say, I would have liked to see him out there maybe just to see what he could give I would you. too. Just just because that lineup, it really they needed somebody that could be like a facilitator. There wasn't a lot of movement and stuff. It really just felt like they weren't running the offense because they didn't have a true point guard out there. So I would like to see him out there too. But it's still going to come down to Santi stepping up uh, with no BC. And then with the whole Josh situation, not knowing how long he's going to be out, I, you got to look at Jaron Jackson Jr. to basically – I know it's hard, but you got to look at him like you basically got to be like you don't have to be Ja, but you have to try to make up for as much of his production as possible. And so far, he's done a good job, three straight 20 point games since Ja's been out. Uh, But they're just going to have to continue to feed him and just run the offense through him uh, over this last stretch until Ja gets back. And then even when Ja gets back, I really hope that they continue to use what they learned from the stretch without him uh, to show that when Jaron has mismatches, he can completely change the complexion of the game uh, when he just attacks people on offense. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the Warriors game too. Yeah, yeah, you know the hashtag, feed 13, get him the ball. And then when J- and if Ja come back, Listen, I'm looking at Ja, Tyus, and Jenkins. Y'all better get Jaren the ball. I understand he in foul trouble sometimes, but get him the ball. Y'all, I'm not going to keep saying this. I say this on the timeline all the time. Y'all follow me. Y'all know I'll be on their heads. Get him the ball, like tonight. 
He should he had what he had like 21. Let me check. I think he had 21. Yeah, 21, 21 points. Should have tw- probably should have 30. Let's be honest. He probably should have 30 because there was a couple of times where they didn't give him the ball. I think it was third quarter, start of third. And then I'm seeing X take shots, Dylan take shots. Why are we not getting the best player of the ball right now? I y'all wonder why we lose the lead. Y'all not throwing, and I'm not even saying he's got a score every time down, but just getting your best players involved in actions is going to open up stuff for your everybody else. We were putting Jaren in screen and roll actions as a pick and roll guy. I haven't seen yeah. Jenkins do that consistently since year two. Since year two. This is the first time I've seen it in a minute consistently since year two. And they either scored off of it or got an assist off of it almost every time. It's not hard, but Jenkins and some of the players have a tendency of making things, easy things hard. We've seen it. Definitely. Fourth quarters, it just just getting the ball or involve him in actions. Stop acting like he's just a role player and putting him, parking him in the corner like he's John Conchar. I don't need that. You, he's an all-star for a reason. He's an all-in or all-defensive player, you know, defensive team guy for a reason. He, you paid him all the money for a reason. He's one of your best three players. And I'm all big on you got to get your best three players involved or have a clear pecking order of where guys supposed to be. Treat him like that. Don't treat him like he's like the eighth, ninth guy. Don't do that because then you're going to end up being in these situations where, you know, you get to the playoffs and you got to attack mismatches. That's really what it's about. And if you're not attacking a clear mismatch, you might you you you're just probably not gonna win. That that's a real big thing you gotta do with the playoffs. So yeah, feed thirteen, man. Y'all know the y'all know y'all know the agenda. Feed thirteen, man. I'm, I'm definitely the 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 walking mismatch himself. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely got to feed Jaren down the stretch. Uh, but that's gonna be all for us this week. Another great week. Thank you, Alex, again for coming on and co-hosting. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to the Bluff City Media Insiders, uh, bluffcitymedia.com slash join. Use code NEXTGEN for 10% off, whether that is a monthly pass or a yearly pass. Me and Alex will be back with y'all next week, keeping you updated with all the Grizzlies news. And hopefully we'll have some more updates on the whole John Morant situation and maybe some of these injuries and stuff like that as well. But For Alex Witten, I'm Bryson Wright. We'll see you all next week.